The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Okay, so just very quickly, this is the book we're talking about, Give Them Grace, Dazzling Your Kids. See, look at they stopped when they heard my voice. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's the amazing, mother, the power. It's the mother voice. Yes. Children, come over here and sit down now. Dazzling Your Kids with the Love of Jesus. And then um, Jessica wrote this book, Exploring Grace Together, 40 Devotionals for the Family. So we had uh, parents asking us, how do I do this with my kids? If I'm going to do a devotional, you know, I'm, I don't want to be too heady. I don't. So this is for you, 40 Devotionals for the Family. And then we wrote um, this book, Answering your kids' toughest questions, helping them understand loss, sin, tragedy, and other hard topics. So, for instance, when your child comes home and says to you, Mom, what does it mean to be gay? Then you don't fake like your cell phone just went off. And say, oh, i got to talk to somebody right now. I'll talk to you later. We actually have ways to answer those questions here in this book, um, along with, you know, how do you talk to your kids about, you know, 200,000 people getting wiped out in a tsunami? Or uh, how do you talk to them about when they find out that their best friend's daddy is going to move out of the home? Or how to talk to them about the devil? Um, how to talk to them about pornography? Uh, anyway, this book will help you. We recommend that you get this book before you need it. And the answers are broken up into sort of preschool, early child answers. This is how you would talk to a really young child. This is how you would talk to an elementary school child and then or, and up to junior high. And then this is how you would talk to an older child. Okay? So that's answering your kids' toughest questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the first question I have for you is, is, is a doozy, and I didn't, actually, I didn't actually tell it to you beforehand. <laughs> Can you come back and talk in a few months just about anything you want? Because it was a joy listening to you guys. Oh, that's it very It really sweet. was. Certainly. You are, you are... Talk to our agents. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the doozy. I'm kidding. I don't have an agent. It's like, no, never mind. <laughs> But we do have a podcast. We do. We have a podcast. You can listen to us every week. You can mention, is that Front Porch? Yes, front, front Porch, porch with the Fitzes, yep. which is not really very spiritual, but is actually <laughs> she and her brother making fun of me for a half an hour. So if that sounds fun to you, we're on iTunes. Um, Rate us and review us. <laughs> so for, first one, this is, this is more of a serious one. How do you parent with grace in moments that are constrained by time or setting, say grocery store meltdown? Yeah, I mean, so I would say if you're in Walmart and your kid is like pulling toys off the shelves, don't talk to them about their justification, okay? Um, parent, talking about the gospel, like I feel like as parents we think if I don't do this just right right now, it's screwed up and I've lost my... I've lost my opportunity. So 
if you have just a short amount of time, I mean, hey, like if it's in the grocery store and they're out of control, I mean, you could leave the grocery store. Or you could stay and finish your thing and then when you get out to the car, talk to them. But I feel like the pressure's off, you guys. If there, yeah. I mean, you could walk away with one thing, it's this. The pressure is off. You don't have to get this just right. He did it just right for you. So parent, when you, when you can talk about the gospel, talk about the gospel. There's going to be times you don't want to talk about the gospel and your heart's going to be hard. But guess what? He's still faithful in that too. I'm not saying like blow it off every single time. I'm saying when there's opportunity, share words of grace with your kids. If there's not opportunity, don't. You know, I, I think, again, like what you said in the beginning, this isn't a method. This isn't like, hey, if you share your, the gospel with your kids exactly 2.5 times a day, everything's going to be perfect. That's not what we're saying. We're saying if there's opportunity, remind them of the gospel. And God will use your weak, faltering attempts and will glorify himself. It's what he does. It's who he is. Because if he didn't use weak, faltering attempts, he'd have nothing. So you're not going to be some superhero gospel cape flying off your back. You just be a parent, and you parent out of brokenness. And so when there's time to tell him, you tell him. And when there's not time to tell him, then you don't. And And then there's even some times that you have time to tell them, but you don't want to. And again... It's not about you getting this perfectly. So then when you realize that you were angry, yeah. and then you come to them and you say, forgive me when I saw you do that. Um, I, was, I was sinfully angry with you, so please forgive me for my anger. And um, I want to tell you that even in my anger, I know I can flee to Jesus. So we stop pretending that we're perfect gospel gospelized people and we just run we flee to Jesus together it's really quite delightful I'm sorry were you done no I just was wondering did that answer I guess the answer is when there's time do it short sentences you need a rescuer you're you need a savior stuff like that when there's time and if you have more time and you can do it do it and if there's not time then pray and trust God one of the things, one of the things I know that I like in your book, and you mentioned a little bit tonight too, was praying yourself during those times. Yeah, that seems to be a really big thing too. Right, uh, uh, Paul Miller. Paul Miller says in his book A Praying Life um, that he does his best parenting by prayer. I, you know, so pray. It's crazy. The Holy Spirit works. <laughs> I mean, shocker. Who Spoiler knew? alert. He does his job. So pray, right? We just think if I can just say the right words and get it just right. It's like, cry out to him. You do your best parenting by prayer. What, what is gospel-oriented discipline? What, what does gospel-oriented discipline look like? Um, Rochambeau. <laughs> no. Tell the story of Allie hitting... Okay. Yeah. Okay, let me give you an example, and then hopefully this, this answers that question. Um, we were at church, and I was standing with my pastor's wife, and it was after church, and 
Everybody was coming over to our house. We have a very, we had a very small church. Everybody was coming over to our house after church to watch some sports match. I don't know. And so I was standing next to my pastor's wife, and one of her sons comes up to me and says, Allie, my daughter, Allie just hit me. And she, like, looks at me, and she's like, didn't you write a book? <laughs> so I gently throat-punched her. <laughs> Um, you know, didn't you write a book? And, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I can't believe my daughter's hit this boy. And so I'm like, okay, we'll see you at our house, like our house in a little bit. We'll, I'm going to go home now. So I get her and, you know, the whole way home, I'm driving home. I just shame her, um, using shame to manipulate her. How, you know, we never hit, we never touch anybody when we're angry, you know, on and on, which is, by the way, when you say stuff like that to your kids, and you say, I can't believe you did that, that is self-righteousness in your own heart. Because given the right circumstances, you would, and if you could throat punch, you would as well. <laughs> so the whole way home, I shame her, you know, with the whisper yell, which is actually better than, at, you know, really yelling at your kids, because it adds this little element of crazy to it. <laughs> your eyes are popping out, veins, and your whisper. I told you, which is way scarier than yelling. So the whole way home, I just shame her. It's awful. Like everything I'm saying to her is everything I would tell people don't say. And we get home and I take her into a room and administer discipline, not lovingly, no prayer, angry. Okay. Um, and I'm like, don't you ever hit anybody. We never hit people when we're angry. Bend over. Um, you know it's awful really just a train wreck and then we go out and everybody comes over and standing with my pastor's wife and a different son walks up and says Allie just hit me okay so I make eye contact with her across the room and I was like if I trying to kill her with my eyes and and I'm just like I don't even say anything I just point to her room and so she like you know against the wall <laughs> and um, she goes in her room and I start walking down the hall to her room and it wasn't like I thought hey pray or don't you know like talk to her about Jesus I just said give yourself a 10 count because you're so angry and so I did. Just I stood there and I counted to ten, like what you tell your two-year-old to do. And I went into the room, and she just immediately said, "I don't deserve to be with my friends." And it just hit me. I was like, "Baby, I don't either." But do you know what mercy is? Mercy is God withholding what we deserve. Like we deserve bad things, and God withholds it. That's mercy. And do you know what grace is? Grace is Him piling on all the good stuff. We don't deserve it, but he gives us mercy and he gives us grace. Um, confessed my anger to her, and then we prayed together, um, spanked her, and then, I hope that's okay, but it, <laughs> administered discipline. And uh, after it was all over, she looked up at me and said, um, now I know God loves me. Okay, that's the point of discipline. The point of discipline is not to hold your kids out and make them feel the pain of what they've done. 
The point of discipline is to bring your children in because that's what God's done for us, right? We're ministers of reconciliation. So what we deserve is to be pushed out, alienated. We deserve eternal punishment for our sin, but instead what God has done is he's brought us in. And and his discipline of us, even still as adults, is not to push us out. The point of discipline is always to bring us back in to relationship. So gospel-centered discipline would be bringing back into relationship, into our rightful place of relationship, knowing, being more aware of how much God loves us. No. Pass. That was good. I didn't want to put you on the spot. I just. Yeah, no. Um, as you're sitting there talking, one of the things as a dad for me, I feel bad sometimes because I have a stern voice. We were talking earlier about the stern voice and it scares me still sometimes. Can you, can you teach them about grace in a stern manner? And that may sound, I don't know if that's an odd question, but I know for me, that's the way my dad was and I'm stern as well. Can you teach and still teach properly in a stern way? Well, what does, what does stern mean? Does stern mean serious? I think it means serious. When it goes into sin, though, it probably means harshness, which I right. do recognize as being sin. Right. But I right. would say, well, I'm trying to discern, is it, is it serious? Is, is it that you're serious? Is that, is that a problem? Well, I mean, if, you, if, if the motive behind your, what you're saying is, you're going to get your kids, you're going to get them to do the right thing. No matter what. Because, I mean, after all, you are a pastor. And, you know, and, and like your children can just totally ruin the whole gig for you. <laughs> right? Okay. So. I guess technically if you're looking at qualifications, it could, yes. All right. So it's like. I have a very serious, I, I mean, my delivery and hers is completely opposite. So I know that I can be very serious, but you have to be very careful in that, that it doesn't come off sounding condemning. Yep. And so, um, I mean, you can ask your children when you're talking to them about the Lord, does it sound like dad is mad at you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and just ask them, you know, when I, when I talk this way to you, does it, does it sound like I'm pushing you away? Does it sound like I'm angry with you or just, does it, does it just sound like I'm serious? And, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, this is serious business, but, um, and then, you know, for people and for people if your gifting is speech, is communication, then it's a very strong gift. And so when you're dealing with little children, you have to be very careful because they have little young ears. And so then you maybe need to take what, this is like personal counseling going on on the stage. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming, I'm asking the question because I'm assuming that there are other people out there like that, who, right? You know, particularly fathers in the room, right? Who, who are like that as well. So then you take 
how you want to say what you want to say, and then you back it off about 50 degrees. And I think and then, it depends on the kid, too. Well, right. So I have, my daughter is just so sensitive. Yes. Like you say one word that's a little bit harsh and she's like on the floor crying. Mm -hmm. But I can say the same thing to my 17-year-old son in a very direct manner and he's like, okay, total, so know your kid. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. You're welcome. Smile while you talk. <laughs> you're in big trouble my, now. My son is sitting in the front row. He's listening to everything that you're saying. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. So come up and tell us. Is he mean? No. <laughs> Look at him. He's cute. He is adorable. Um, what would you, how would you encourage parents who are thinking, that's not how I've parented. How do I start doing this? Because it feels clunky at first. You don't, oh, yeah. you don't have the words. It's kind of awkward. How, do you, how would you encourage those parents? Well, I'll just start off by saying the gospel always feels clunky. Because we're all hardwired legalists, right? Yep. I mean, what uh, what goes around comes around is our our natural bent. So for us to try to put on uh, a way of living that's grace motivated is always it always feels clunky. I mean, I've written like seven or eight books on this topic, and it still feels clunky and like I'm sort of. I'm, I'm talking outside of my comfort zone. So just understand, it is clunky. However, you get more used to it. You get more used to hearing yourself sort of start in. I, for me, and then I'm going to let you, but for me, if I was going, if I was a parent that still had kids in the home, which I don't anymore, may God be praised forever, but I don't have kids in the home anymore, but if I was, if I, what I had to do when I came into this way of thinking was go to my children and ask for forgiveness. Um, what I did with you, I believe that I did primarily out of love, but also out of trying to build my own image as a good parent. And, um, and so I want you to forgive me for not really explaining to you the love of God in Christ and for basically trying to cram it down your throat. I asked my children to forgive me. And I still ask my kids and my grandkids to forgive me when I fall back into my own ways, which is my habit, my habitual way. All of our habitual way of thinking is the law. The gospel is what's outside of our habitual way of thinking. The law is the way we all already think. I don't... Yeah, so it's always clunky, but you get yeah, used to it. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, it's, and in some ways that's a really good thing, because if we think that we're nailing it, then we won't be dependent on God. So if we're always aware of our weakness and shortcomings, then we're just continually crying out, help me to know what to say. Help me to know what to say. And even as you're saying, and a lot of times people ask, well, does it work? Like, does this work with your kids when you tell them about Jesus? Does it change them? Does it work? And my answer is, I mean, it works in my heart. 
<laughs> I can tell you that. So as I parent by grace and I talk to them about forgiveness and about justification and how they're forgiven and we're completely righteous, we're okay with God, we're right with God now, it changes my heart. It kind of has drained the anger from my parenting right. in so many ways. And so, yeah, I think if we ever get to the point where we're like, oh, I got this gospel thing down, like you're sunk. You know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a continual and complete dependence on Christ. Yeah. In and give them grace, you've got, right near the end, the, the resting in grace. Yeah. What would you say to parents who haven't parented this way? And you, I think you even kind of touched on it at the end of your, near the end of your talk today, but who are feeling guilt and shame? What would you say to them? Flee to Jesus. Amen. I mean, yeah. flee. Mike, do you want a mic drop? Do you want the mic, yeah. mic drop? <laughs> Boom. Boom. Flee to Jesus. Elise walks out. Right. See, the reason, I mean, yes, we love our children. And so because we love our children and maybe we're being convicted that we haven't really been giving them grace then we feel condemned and worthless as a parent and see in all of my failure and flaw flaws then i need to flee to jesus because he loves failures <laughs> he loves sinners so i flee to jesus that's the first place i go i have to flee to jesus and say lord forgive me on, on the one hand, I didn't love you with my mind, so I didn't know that I was supposed to give the, the law and the gospel. See, that's a, that's a sin of my mind because I didn't know. But then I also, much of my parenting was really driven by the desire to have people think I was a good parent. I wasn't like my mother. I spent so much of my parenting trying to prove I wasn't my mother, being better than my mom. And not that she was bad, but she was just disengaged because of circumstances. And, and so I, I did that. I tried to, and I mean, when Jessica's younger son, Joel, a uh, younger son, younger brother, Joel, <laughs> <laughs> who just graduated from Westminster Seminary. He's now, it's just been ordained. So happy with him. But when he was in high school, he had this long sort of curly hair, just like Jessica. And we live in Southern California. And so he used to go surfing all the time. And he would be what's known as hygienically challenged. <laughs> like a lot of 16-year-old boys are. And, um, and he had this terrible hair, you know. And so I would go to church with them after basically shaming them all the way to church about what they were wearing or whether or not they had their Bible. And then we got to church and you're going to worship God today and all of that ridiculousness. And now smile and <laughs> be, be joyful. If you don't serve God with joy, you're going to serve your enemies. And that'll, that'll make a kid love Jesus. And so we would walk into church and I would see people look at Joel 
and in disdain because of how he looked. And it used to infuriate me. But the truth is it never infuriated me at Joel. It infuriated me, or excuse me, at them. It infuriated me at Joel because he was messing with my reputation as a good mother. See, that's the deal. As Jessica was saying, a lot of times we use our kids as fig leaves to cover our brokenness. So I came into parenting very broken, and I thought I'm going to use my kids to prove that I'm really not that broken. And so um, fortunately one day Joel came home from surfing with his friend, and he had hair just like Joel's, and they said, we want to get our hair, our head buzzed. I said, get in the car <laughs> right now. I'll take you. So, see, we have, to, we have to stop using our children to prove that we're good Christians or that we're nailing the faith thing and instead be fellow sinners. Yeah. So I ask for forgiveness yeah. and flee to Jesus. And remember, like, so Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. And remember that, believe that God is strong enough to use all your sin and failure to glorify himself. So you ask for forgiveness. You believe that God is as strong and as good and as loving that he says he says he is. And then you, you pray that the Holy Spirit reminds you that there's no condemnation. You feeling condemnation isn't going to drive you to Christ. It's going to drive you to self-improvement. So remember there's no condemnation and you're forgiven and then run to Christ. And tell your kids. How do you impress upon a child the gravity or the consequences of a really bad choice? I'm assuming this is going towards something that might seriously injure them or hurt them or hurt somebody else. So how do you impress upon them the gravity or the consequences of that choice while still extending grace? Yeah, so I mean you tell them, again, wherever sin goes, tears follow, Mm -hmm. right? So you, you... You can, you, your sin will hurt yourself and others. And that's very serious, which is why it's important to be talking to your kids about pornography. And everybody's like, my kids would never. We have the circle in our house, safeguarded by a thousand things. Listen, 80% of boys by the, no, 90% of boys by the time they're 18 and 65% of, the, of girls by the time they're 18 have viewed it on the internet. So you, you're proactive, and you tell them, wherever sin goes, tears follow. Sin has consequences this way. Like all the consequences this way are taken care of in Christ, which is amazing news. But your choices will affect other people, not just yourself. So I say you be proactive with your kids. You talk to them about what decisions will lead to what. Yeah. Uh, um, but at the same time, you tell them, the great news, though, is if you fail in these ways, there's grace. And that's scary for us to say. Because we're like, if we hold out grace, then they're going to screw up and think it's okay. But God holds out grace to us all the time. I mean, don't forget the gospel. Like, we think somehow there's a gospel for adults and a gospel for kids. It's the same. So, what does the Bible say? It's grace upon grace upon grace. And so you tell your kids that, and you pray that that thought wakes their heart up to so much love for Christ that those other things seem like what they are.
which is trash. But you tell them if you do fail, if you do fail, there are serious consequences. But you know what? His forgiveness covers it. You will have, you will have vertical consequences, but horizontally it's all taken care of. And I, and I think that that's, that's really important, um, you know, to, to reinforce to kids vertically, if you're in Christ, you're forgiven and you have the righteousness of Christ and nothing will change that. But you will have horizontal consequences. You will have, you know, you take your car and you're drunk and you run it into a tree. There are consequences for that. And your relationship with God is not going to stop that. Um, yeah. I think we often think that, don't you think, that, that we do that and then it stops that vertical. Right. Stops right. So we think, oh, right. if we do these consequences, then somehow this is blocked. Right. And that's not the case at all, right. ever. Right. He has nothing, if we're in Christ, there is nothing but complete acceptance, welcome, forgiveness. Yep. You, you mentioned pornography earlier. So one of the pressing questions for parents is, when, when do you start talking about sex? So I know this may take us, like, maybe a, it may seem like it takes us a step away from give them grace, but probably not, right? Yeah. When do you start talking about it? How do you talk about it? I mean, I've, so I don't know how it is, what the culture is here. I know uh, where I am, it, needs, it needed to be an early conversation because it's everywhere. I mean, my daughter came home from school like her second day of, of sixth grade and was like, I made my first, I met my first transgender friend today. And so it's like, okay, I'm glad we already had the conversation. I'm not, you know, I didn't tell her, I, I want her to ha have friends that are transgender, but I want her to know what it means. You know, I, so have the conversations early. I mean, parents, I just, I can't impress this on you enough. Kids are seeing it. And if it's not at your house, it's at the neighbors. And if it's not at the neighbors, it's at school. I mean, everybody has a smartphone. Or at the dentist. Right. I had a friend tell me that she was at the dentist with her kid in the waiting room, seven-year-old boy, and a bunch of boys were over on a smartphone and she thought they were playing a game. And he came back over and was like, there's naked pictures on the phone. They're standing in the dentist office looking at pornography like seven and eight-year-old boys. Okay? And I think we think, not us. It's not going to happen to us. We're a good Christian family. I have a friend who, um, when she was 13, grew up in a very conservative home and felt like she couldn't talk to her parents about sex. Okay? So she Googled it and developed an eight-year addiction to pornography. A 13-year-old girl, and like, girls won't. A 13-year-old girl developed an eight-year addiction to pornography because she was too scared to talk to her parents about sex. So you take the step and talk to him. My boys really enjoyed that conversation. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm like, sit down. Let's have a little talk. Beat red. I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's not a fun conversation. But love your children more than you love your comfort. And don't think, oh, I'm not going to talk about it because they're not thinking about it. Spoiler alert. Again, they're <laughs> thinking about it. Talk to them. Have the conversation. Love them more than you love feeling like you're in a safe bubble. The bubble's broken. It's not safe. We're all sinners. So have the conversation. I mean, obviously appropriately. And it'll be different for each kid, I think, to be real honest. Yeah. 
I think it's different. Know your kids, know where they're at, ask them questions, but have the conversation early because society is not letting us wait. So last question. Um, why, and this may seem like an odd last question, but sorry. <laughs> why do you think it seems easier? And maybe I'm the only one, I may be the only one here who thinks this and you guys may not. So you can just say, that's weird. Next question. Why, why does it seem easier to give grace to a non-believing adult? You're sitting with them and it's like, man, I give you all the grace in the world than it is to give grace to our children. Because your identity isn't involved in it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, with your own kids... You it's, mean reputation, right? Like yeah. You were, you were talking your about reputation yeah. isn't involved in whether or not your barista gets saved. But your reputation and... Plus, you love them a lot more. Yeah. So you're afraid to give them grace because you're afraid that if you do, that will mean that you're never going to be able to round them up. But with an unbeliever, you can just talk and talk and talk about grace, but it's because you're not really, like, invested in that way. Sure. Yeah. It seems like there's also an element of control there. Right. Well, right? yeah. Like, I right. want to be able to control my children. Right. I know I probably can't control the non-believing barista. Right. right? Does that yeah, sense? and you also can't control your children. Agreed. <laughs> Sorry. The, the false assumption that I can do that. Um, will you guys give them an, another round of applause, please? Thank you, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then you guys are dismissed. Thank you guys for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, oh gosh, Lord Jesus, we love you. Um, Lord, uh, I, I feel called to remember now your, um, your, your message in Zephaniah. You sing over us to do us good. Lord, you, you delight in us because of Jesus. Um, may we leave here tonight remembering that whether we are parents or not, um, that you sing over us to do us good. You, you delight in us. May we leave as Elise talked about earlier, seeing a father who delights in us, who smiles upon us because of Jesus. Um, Lord, may we be um, parents who, gray, who, who, who parent with grace um, and, and parent with the grace that you give to us. Um, Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>